Is that too loud? We good? Yes, we're good. All right. Well, I think fall is officially upon us. It's cooling off, and uh, the leaves are starting to change a little bit. It's a good thing. I love this time of year, especially when we have days like we had yesterday. Was it nice yesterday or what? Did anybody get outside? Or did y'all sit inside watching football all day? Sometimes, guys, you got to get outside when the weather's nice because it's not always so nice, right? All right. Before we begin today, we need to go over our prayer list. Um, Kay Baker's uh, uh, brother-in-law, Floyd Gurley, did pass away last week, uh, and a funeral was held on the 6th in Louisiana. So please remember Kay and her sister Lydia. Lydia uh, Gurley was her name. Her, her uh, brother-in-law is Floyd Gurley. So please remember uh, Kay Baker. I guess she's still there in Baton Rouge with them. Uh, Laura Neese is going to be having outpatient surgery on the 12th. So she's asking for prayers during that time. So please remember Laura and Eric at that time. Um, Linda Waters is still experiencing uh, extensive back, back and leg pain, which uh, she's, she's awaiting another back surgery at some point, right? So yeah, she's been dealing with that for years. And uh, I guess it goes, comes and goes kind of. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Well, that's not good. All right. It just rains, it pours, right? Um, let's see, uh, also, Paula Powers' uh, grandmother, Mary Jo Wilkins, passed away on Friday. So uh, uh, please remember Paula and the Powers and the, and, and their, and the Powers family at this time as well. Anyone else we need to be remembering in our prayer this morning? Okay, let's go to our Father in prayer before we begin. Our Father in heaven, we honor you and we praise you as our God and our Father. And we just thank you, Father, for your love, for the willingness that you uh, would send your Son to uh, die for us, Father. What a, glorious, uh, what a glorious love you've shown to us that you'll be willing to sacrifice for us to give us hope. Father, we ask you to be with those who have been mentioned on our prayer list today, that they might be healed if possible, to be back with us and... Uh, those that are mourning a loss of a loved one, we ask you to be with them and comfort them and help us to know how to minister to them in a way that's uplifting, edifying to them as well. Father, we ask you to be with us during our class time today as we're studying or continuing our study in Galatians, that we might be able to uh, take something back from what we will learn about or hear about today and might apply it in our lives so we can grow spiritually, Father. We just thank you for your love for us for your unconditional love, for your, your willingness to bless us in ways that we can't even imagine. Father, and we just thank you for that. We ask you to continue to bless us uh, as your children, as your heirs, uh, in our families, and in this congregation as well. And we thank you for this congregation, Father, that you've provided here in this community, the, the people who have a heart uh, for service, the love for you, Father, the willingness to, to do what is, what is needed in this kingdom, in this church here part of the kingdom, Father, and we just thank you for these folks, and we ask you to continue to bless each and every one here. We ask you to be with our, our, the leaders of our nation, Father, that our communities, that they might make decisions based on your will, and uh, be with us through this upcoming week as whatever we do, whatever we, wherever we work or play or school or whatever it is, that we might continue to be a light shining in a dark world, Father, and forgive us of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. 
You can be opening up your Bibles to uh, Galatians chapter 5, where we've been studying, have we've had a long study, and we'll be continuing for a few more weeks. And as you know, if you've been here, we've been talking about you know, Paul's admission to those churches in Galatia that he helped to establish in the beginning of the, of the church, really. Uh, and he's, he's admonishing them not to go back, right? Not to go back to uh, what some were teaching, that they had to keep the law. They still had to be circumcised, right? They still had to be justified by the law. And this was something that Paul was very adamant about. And we've read in Acts where those were creeping in, you know, and saying, well... Even though you uh, have this freedom in Christ and this liberty, you still got to keep the law. It's still, you have justification through the law. And Paul is saying, no, no, you have freedom in Christ. You have freedom because of your faith. And today we're going to look at that a little further. We're going to look at something that Paul writes there in chapter 5 that more or less shows the way we should be thinking as Christians, okay? Not, not about having to be circumcised, which... That's not something we have to worry about, really. Or, not, or trying to keep the law, or ju being justified by the law. In other words, in our case, it's not following the rudiments of men, following what men say is right, or traditions, or keeping the rules. It's not about that. Yeah, we have the law as our tutor. We understand what's right and wrong. We understand what we need to do in our lives, how we need to live. But we're not saved by that. We can't keep it. In the flesh, not possible. We're sinners. We're not perfect. And Paul's going to go further and explain how we should be thinking, how we should be looking, what, what should we should be looking forward to. Not about having to be circumcised or trying to be justified by the law, but something else. Let's, let's, let's go back and read uh, there in chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. We've read some of these. We've studied some of these in the past. I want to start back in verse 1 so we get the full context here. Galatians 5, verse 1, says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. If you have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. All right. Those last two verses there are what I want to kind of look at today. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about what he's having to deal with, with the Judaizing teachers, right? And he even said last week, if you're going to do that, if you're going to go back to being circumcised or saying you've got to be circumcised or go back to saying you've got to be justified by the law, you've fallen from grace. You no longer have that salvation in Christ Jesus. He said it. It's right there. Believe it or not, that's what he's telling you. You've fallen from grace. That's a pretty powerful statement to say, right? Pretty tough thing. It ought to make us think well, what's he mean by that? If there's a way I can fall from grace, I better understand that better, right? I better make sure I know what he's talking about. So, a few things to consider as Christians, right? And this is some of the things that we're going to talk about around those last two verses that Paul is talking about. He's saying, 
you know, we have a hope. We have faith. What does that mean? Well, let me ask a question. What is your hope as a Christian? And you don't have to answer, but think about that for a minute. What is your hope as a Christian? Well, of course you want to say, I want to go to heaven, right? I don't want to go to hell. That's pretty plain, right? Pretty simple statement. But is that really all of it? Is that basically it? And how strong is that? How strong is your hope of that, of going to heaven? Do you have a hope that is so strong it pushes everything out of your life, everything else out of your life? Can you say truthfully that you're eagerly waiting for your hope? Are you? Or are you saying heaven can wait? Interesting question, isn't it? You know, we talk about that future home we're going to have in heaven, right? But we're not ready to go right now. Yeah, we're looking forward to that eventually, but we're okay right now. We're kind of like where we are right now. We're not ready. We can. We got some time here. Let's, that's cool. I, I'm looking forward to that. But I'm okay right now. Is that how you kind of look at it? Hmm. Interesting question, right? Much of the joy, and we've talked a lot about joy in here, right? Especially when we talk about the rich blessings that Paul says we have in Christ Jesus. We should have a joy. A joy that passes all understanding. That's scriptural, right? Where does that joy come from? Well, it should be coming from our hope. We have a hope, right? We have a hope in Christ Jesus. And remember, we've said it many times. The world is passing away. The world is dying. We have a hope that there's something else. That this isn't just it. That when we're dead, we're dead. Right? Don't we? So Paul's making that statement here. He's saying now, don't go back to keeping that law because it can't be kept. And you're not going to have a hope. We have a hope now in Christ Jesus. How real is that hope to us? Are we eager to one day realize that hope? Has it enabled you to serve in the kingdom? To serve with joy and with peace? Are you serving in the kingdom? Or are you just sitting in the pew? That sound kind of mashed, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good point. Maybe it says, are you standing on the promises or sitting on the premises? You see, this hope that Paul is talking about is a wonderful thing. Now, maybe that meant more to those in the first century who had been keeping the law, had spent their lives being taught, you got to be justified by the law, even though they couldn't keep it. Now they have something new. They have a hope. We don't have to worry about being sinners anymore. Christ is taking care of that for us. And we now have a hope because of that. Galatians 5, verse 5 there, Paul writes concerning that hope of what he was waiting for, how he was eagerly waiting for it. Let's go back and read it again. 
verse 5. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. All right. From this, his words, from his words here, we can glean truths that make, should, should make a great difference in our attitude and service as Christians. Okay? There's some interesting statements he makes there. And let's look at those a little bit. What are we to eagerly wait for? I mean, we're, we're supposed to be looking forward to that eternal life, right? That hope we have of being with God in eternity. But what makes that possible? Well, he says that hope we have through the Spirit, eager waiting for that hope of righteousness by faith. Paul's been writing about justification, right? Now he says justification and righteousness are going to come through faith, not by keeping the law. It's not about keeping that law. So, thus Paul's talking about the hope of being made right. The understanding that he's no longer guilty of sin. When we become children of God, when we are believers and we confess his name and we baptize into his name and we repented of all that sin, we now know we are no longer guilty of sin. So we have that hope. And think about that in the first century when they were under the law. They had no other hope, right? All they had was the law. And they saw their sins rolled forward each year. That was it. They didn't have that possibility of that joy and that hope, right? This was Paul's hope that he also expressed to the Philippians. Let's turn over to Philippians chapter 3 and see something he said there. Beginning of verse 7, Philippians 3 verse 7, he says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. All right, there's Paul. That, that's pretty plain, right? Not the righteousness from the law, the righteousness I now have through my faith in Christ Jesus. Well, it's interesting to think about this. What, what is the hope he's really talking about here? Yeah, we talk about we want that hope of eternal life. We want to be with God. But there's something else I think that he's talking about that maybe we might miss that hope of righteousness, that hope of justification, that hope of no longer being guilty of sin. Right? In the flesh, we sin. Right? John tells us, if you say you're not a sinner, you're a liar. We sin every day. Probably say that, right? Pretty much every day, there's something that you've done that would break the law. 
law of Moses, right? And so, in the flesh, we are constantly reminded of that fact that we're not perfect, right? We are sinners. Even though Christ has shed his blood for us and we have justification through that, we are not quite there, right? We're not to that point where we can say we are completely redeemed. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong on that. We're saved. But we still have that constant reminder, right? Think about it a minute. You all have something in your life in the past, something really stupid that you did. Maybe, maybe not something sinful that was stupid so much, but something stupid. And every once in a while it'll pop into your mind, right? And you just go, oh! You ever done that? I do it. There's some stuff I think about every once in a while. I say, why am I still alive? <laughs> you know? I know we have those things because we have them in our memory. When we come to that point of judgment and we are justified, that's gone. That hope of being completely justified that we have no, no longer even have that memory of sin, right? That's, that's not a great example, but that's kind of something that maybe we can have as an allegory to understand what he's talking about here, maybe. I don't know what it's going to be like for sure in heaven. I, I've got some ideas from his word, but in the flesh, I can't understand that completely. But I know one thing. I'm going to have a joy that I could never have in flesh. And I'm going to have a peace that I could never have in the flesh. And I don't know. I, I don't think I'm going to remember my sin. I think it's going to be gone completely. We know God doesn't remember. That's scriptural, right? So in that sense, we have that hope of righteousness where we are purified so much that we are living in eternity with him, righteous, justified by him. Now, I know that's a lot of words. still kind of hard to understand that perhaps maybe, right? That's what Paul's talking about here, that hope of righteousness, justification. That's something that we should be looking forward to in this life and in eternity. We don't do that all the time, though, do we? We get busy in our lives. I don't get up in the morning thinking, I want to be righteous today. Right? But that's what he's talking about. That pureness, that being like Christ, who was perfect, who was righteous, the only one. I know. That's a lot of talk, a lot of stuff that's easier said than done. But turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and I'll read something that Paul said there that really helps him or helped him. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and begin in verse 6. <clears throat> he said, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see, this hope that Paul's talking about is something that in his last days is unbelievably comforting to him. 
unbelievably sustaining to him. The world, which the world just thinks stupid, right? Because of that hope of righteousness, he has a joy, a peace that he knows toward the end of his life. I'm good. I'm happy. I'm joyous. I'm looking forward to that meet up with God. And that's something he's saying we should all have. Last verse there. Should have should come for all who love his appearance. We have to have a strong desire plus a expectation regarding our standing before the Lord guiltless of sin. That's part of it, right? That we're looking forward to that time when we're with him and being able to stand before him at judgment and say, I'm good. I'm free. I'm now with you. Corinthians were eagerly waiting that. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians 1, verse 4. <clears throat> Paul says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed from you so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called in the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Corinthians were eagerly waiting. Paul saying, you're eagerly waiting. You have that promise. You were called into the fellowship of his son, and you await that eternal life with him. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to be moving around a little bit here, but Hebrews chapter 9, I want you to see these verses. Verse 28. So Christ was offered once to bear their sins of many. To those who eager away for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. He's coming again. Those who are waiting for him will be justified and no longer have sin will be completely in righteousness, living righteousness how's that going to be done we have some allusions to it turn over to Romans chapter 8 verse 23 not only that, but we all, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. The hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? 
that if we hope for what we do not see, we're going to wait for it with perseverance. Paul talks about waiting for that redemption of our bodies. This is going to pertain to the hope of the resurrection, right? We as Christians understand that Jesus Christ was raised on the third day. He ascended into heaven and is now reigning in the kingdom. He's at the right hand of God, right? When we're baptized into him, Romans 6 says we are baptized into his death, buried with him in baptism, raised to newness of life. That's the symbol on the earth and our flesh of what's going to happen to us on that great day. We will be raised again. Our heavenly bodies will be raised and redeemed. I can't tell you what that's going to be like exactly. I just know that that's going to happen. Very spiritual. Something that we have a hope in, right? In which our mortal bodies will be raised and put on immortality made possible by the coming and the power of Jesus Christ <clears throat> all right so what are we what, what's all this getting to what, what's the point well we should be eagerly awaiting that glorious transformation transformation in which our bodies as well as our souls will be redeemed by the Lord and that's something that we are to hope for and await eagerly our justification from sin, our Savior from heaven coming back, and our resurrection from the dead. That's the hope, right? That's what we should be looking forward to. All right. Well, that's easy to say. That's easy to talk about. How do we do it? How do we continue in that hope? How do we wait for it? You know, we're in a pretty impatient people, right? If we're going to wait, if we're going to ha eagerly wait for that hope, how do we do it? Our part is what? We are to have faith. Faith in Christ and his sacrifice and faith in his coming. Maybe one of the reasons we don't necessarily get up in the morning and think about that hope we have for eternal life is because we don't talk about it enough maybe I mean we know he's coming again right but that's not something we think about in the first century they were thinking about it all the time they were looking forward to it and you might say well well they were pretty poor you know they were back then they didn't have all the wonderful modern things we have today that entertain us and keep us busy and all that. Yeah, that's true. But it's still the same God. Still the same promise. Still the same hope. Our part's to have that faith. A faith that is Bible-based. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. See, we have to have a faith in a God that's not visible in the flesh. And I mean physically, right? And so the world looks at that and says, stupid, ignorant, dumb. There's no God. You can't see in a God. We also know from Romans 10, 17, we have to know about God through his word. We hear about him. We hear what he says right here. Got to be in it. You're not going to know about God unless you're in the Word. He's revealed himself to you. You've got to do a little work to find out about him. You can't just sit in the pew. This faith has to be something that gives us a light, right? A light shining in the darkness. John 1 said, the word was with God in the beginning. He came into the world like a light shining in the darkness. The world is dark. No two, no two bits about it. Not, I didn't say that right. Did I say that right? No two bits about it. Two bits, four bits, whatever. I want to cheer here. But <clears throat> the world is a very dark place. And this faith that we have should give us hope and light. When you get up in the middle of the night and it's pitch dark, it's, I don't care what you say, it's a little bit scary, isn't it? Maybe you're just scared you're going to stub your toe on the bedpost. I don't know. But you can understand that concept, right? Darkness, we can't see. It's very disconcerting. Maybe that's but that hope gives us that light. We become a light, serving him, being his disciple. Hope through faith, like a shot light shining in the darkness. And here's a statement. You may step on a few toes here. You see, the eagerness with which you want, the eagerness with which you wait for that hope is pretty much proportional to the degree of faith you have. I'm going to say it. So if you're not that eager, if your hope is not that great, maybe your faith needs to grow a little bit. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, right? You all came in here on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. There's a lot of folks still in bed right now. But even... You have to understand that. If I'm not worried about, if I'm, if I don't, if I don't, I'm not excited about getting to heaven, if I'm not looking forward to that, if that doesn't sustain me in my everyday life, if that doesn't provide me joy, if that doesn't provide me the ability to get up in the morning and go to work and do things out of my faith, everything working for the Lord, then maybe I need to get in the Word. 
Maybe I need to start being more of service. Start working, getting some things done, growing. A strong conviction in things unseen, in particular Jesus, is stupid to the world. But that, we know, is the truth. Our belief, our faith, should prove that out every day. Romans 1, Paul said the Gentiles had no excuse. All they had to do was look at creation. And they knew that there was a God. The world would tell you there's no God. We all came from this big bang billion years ago. Just happened. And I don't know if there's any scientists in here. I'm not going to debate you on evolution and all that stuff. But I don't believe that that happened. It may have been a big bang, but God did it. He, he made it happen. Right? There's no way you can tell me that the design we have in the universe has happened out of chance, random chance. Therefore, we have a faith in things unseen that created the things we can see. Pretty simple, really, right? All you got to do is go out and look at a tree. How did that get here? Can't explain how that got here. I can plant a seed. I can watch it grow. But why that happens, I don't know. I can look up at the stars at night and imagine, how did all those get there? It just happened by random chance. How else do we have that hope? Well, it's through the Spirit. And you might say this is God's part. We should be being strengthened by the Spirit, waiting for that fulfillment of the hope which righteousness by faith instead of the law ensures to us. And that's from Johnson's commentary. Yeah, Paul is making that point. We have faith through the Spirit that it strengthens us not from the law, which could not do it. And that increases our hope. That increases our faith. Paul wrote of God helping us to abound in hope. Turn over to Romans 15. Let's just read that. Verse 13, Romans 15, verse 13, he says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's that hope he's been talking about. We are strengthened through his Spirit so much so that we should abound in hope. We should have so much hope it just out, it flows out of us. Right? That hope of eternity. That hope that should comfort us anytime, especially when we're going some through struggle, going through some struggle, health-wise, loss of a job, financial, whatever it is, getting toward the end of your life. I remember when I was in college trying to decide what I wanted to do, I was thinking about being pre-dental at one time. 
Yeah, I can't imagine ever working on somebody's teeth, but I was thinking about it. And a dentist at church, we're talking, he said, yeah, why don't you be a, go to dental school? And I said, well, I don't know if I'm gonna go to school that long. You know, you got like four years of college, another, I don't know, four years of dental school, I don't know. He said, yeah, but then you got another 60 years, whoopee. That was about 40 years ago. And it seems like it was just last night when he told me that. This life is fleeting. We have wonderful hope through our faith, through the Spirit. And that should sustain us through this life. Yeah, it's short. It goes fast. But that's something we should dwell on. It should help keep us from sin. The more we fill our lives with that hope, the more we fill our, our, build our faith and have that eagerness of what's awaiting us, it should help us to grow, to become more like Christ, to remove sins from our lives. We need to walk in that spirit. In Galatians 5 there, he says that a little later. Verse 16, he says, Galatians 5 and verse 16, he says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. What's he saying right there? If you dwell on the Spirit, then those lusts of the flesh, the sins will go away. Guarantee somebody in here right now is struggling with a sin. We've room this many people, somebody's struggling with something. Perhaps it's an addiction that you can't seem to get past. Can't seem to overcome, right? Paul says, I say then walk in that spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, that's easy to say, right? I know that. But that's the point. When we build our faith, get in the spirit, in the word, prayer to him, that eagerness will grow. That hope will grow and those things of the flesh will diminish. That's the way it works. That's what Paul is saying right there. Walking in that spirit. You can't have the lust of the flesh at the same time. It's not possible. They're warring against each other. Tobit to Romans 8. And by the way, if you are struggling with something, I would suggest you read Romans 8 every morning, first thing when you get up. Just say it. Romans 8, verse 5. <clears throat> For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 
simple couple verses there basically saying if you're struggling with something you need to set your mind on the things of the spirit I know we get up in the morning we get ready we got to go to work we got to go to school we got things to do people to see right we don't dwell on things of the spirit and that's what he's saying we got to do that if you want to be like Christ more and more if you want to have a great hope eagerly awaiting eternity you got to set your minds on the thing of the spirit you say well how to do that it's very simple right here did you study your Bible this week did you read it did you even read it I'm not, I'm not being trying to be Mr. Self-Righteous Person or anything. I, I read it. Well, I, I studied it anyway for this lesson mainly. But did you do that? Why not? Were you in prayer to God this week? Why not? You should have a hope like Paul is talking about here. Yeah, we're not worried about being circumcised or keeping the law so much. We, we, we're not in the first century. Yeah, that kind of applies to them more. But we have the things of the modern world that will keep us from our hope just the same. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Eagerness to wait for that hope also is proportional on how we get the Spirit. On how our faith and our Spirit, I and mean, how we get the Spirit. So what is your hope? And what is your desire as a Christian? Do you hope to be made righteous? Do you hope to have that complete justification? That complete guiltlessness of sin? Yeah, we have that in Christ Jesus today. But we still remember, right? We still know that we're not perfect. And that can be tough. That can be disheartening. But we have that opportunity for hope by building our faith looking forward to his return and being in the word and in prayer every day. Okay, time is up. Thanks for being here.